0: This is the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, April 2nd, 2021. I'm your host, Mark Krzynez, and today I'll be talking about Hell Breachers, Lost Words Beyond the Page, El Hijo, a Wild West Tale, Genesis Noir, Mad Tower Tycoon, and Synth Riders. And yeah, you may have noticed at the very beginning of the show, at the top of the show, as they call it, I did not mention the episode number, because I hinted, I teased that I was thinking about dropping it last episode, or maybe it was two episodes ago. And you know what? I just did. I think this is technically 767, but it doesn't matter. All that matters is what week it's for. So I think that's what I'm going to be doing going forward. Did it sound supernatural? No, because I'm not a CW show. who. Before I get to all that I've been playing, I had a really good week with Attack the Backlog and finishing up all the episodes I had in production. So I now have six finished episodes ready to go whenever they need to be posted and two more scripts that need to be recorded and then edited and all that jazz. And once I finish those two, I will proceed to start playing more games for Attack the Backlog. I've got Vanquish on the backlog. Teetering between doing one for Night Trap because it'll be a quick game to play. And I'm I'm curious if I can actually put out an episode for that or not. I, I did put one for Gorgo, which made me feel nothing. So if I can make an episode about a game that left me feeling nothing, I'm sure Night Trap will have me feel something more than just nothing. And then I'm excited to announce like people really would care about this. But I do plan on finally playing Gears 5 with my father, which should be a fun time. I had him try out the game for 15 or so minutes to see if it was his jam. And he was having a really good time with it. It helps that because it's a more modern, current game. And Microsoft has done a good job with this, with their latest games as well. It has really great accessibility options, including a generous lock-on that he was able to utilize to great effect. And he was killing the Horde, the Locusts, that's what they're called, right? I don't actually care that much about the story of Gears or any of that. I kind of checked out after Gears of War 2, Gears of War 3, You're supposed to feel things, right? You're supposed to cry. I felt nothing. I I enjoyed some of the set pieces, but I think overall Gears of War 2 was the peak Gears for me. But I am excited to play through that with my dad, and I'm hoping we have a better outcome than Halo 2. Even though that led to a pretty fun episode of Attack the Backlog, it wasn't fun for either of us to play through that game because... He isn't the biggest fan of the way Halo controls or the arsenal you have to attack enemies with. So it was just me kind of hovering around him, not doing much, not playing the game like I usually would in order for him to try and feel like he was actually doing something. And it wasn't fun for him or me. It was just kind of a miserable experience. And I had to listen to him. Complain playing the whole time, that was really not fun. So, I don't want to deal with that again. And I believe this has been the case with Gears for a while now. I don't think it was the case in the first game, but at least with maybe the second or the third one forward, you can play when playing co op on different difficulty levels. So, my father can play on casual while I play on the hardest or the next hardest one which will go a long way in making it feel more equal and put us on equal footing to to say it in a better way so that is fun as well but yeah I'm just feeling pretty good about attack the backlog and where it's all going and yeah news wise The analog pocket was delayed, which isn't surprising, but a little disappointing, though it makes them announcing last October, I believe, and I I believe the pocket has been delayed from May or so this year to October for the first batch of pre-orders, and of course we can expect the next round of pre-orders to be delayed as well. They didn't say anything, but they've never announced when those were going live anyway, but... It does make them announcing the Analog Duo last October I believe. Seem even more dumb. I don't know why they decided to do that. They haven't put up pre-orders for that and I don't expect those anytime soon. But I don't think people needed to know they're also working on another piece of hardware while the one that they announced prior to that and only recently put up pre-orders for wasn't even out, wasn't even in manufacturing, wasn't Anywhere close to being in the hands of the people who had just put down a whole bunch of money for it, and if you don't remember what the duo is, it is their piece of hardware for the TurboGrafx-16, which is a console that I have absolutely no experience with. I've never played a single TurboGrafx-16 game outside of ones that are on other platforms, of course, but I've never played a game on a Turbo-16, TurboGrafx-16. See, I I don't even know how to say the name of the console. Because I'm so blind with it. But I've never played a game on the machine itself. I've never played anything that may or may not be exclusive to it. I don't know if there are any exclusive games. There probably are, I would assume. I only recently saw what the games themselves looked like. Well, I saw them when they announced it from Analog, the the duo. But I, I then saw them from, I believe, My Life in Gaming. They did a video... Whatever, at some point. I think maybe about how they store their various video games. And, yeah. <sighs> Bit of a bummer. But, again, not surprising. But That's pretty much it, news-wise. I think there was one other thing, but nothing that really stood out to me. PSN, all those things. The rumors were proven to be true. Which... I think we all expected, and annoyingly so, whenever anyone's talking about PSN going down and the games you'll never be able to get again, they always bring up Tokyo Jungle. And it got really annoying to just have every single outlet, every single podcast, bring up as the sole example of what game you won't be able to play anymore or purchase anymore once this happens is Tokyo Jungle. Tokyo Jungle, Tokyo Jungle, Tokyo Jungle. I liked it. I didn't finish it. It's a, an Attack the Backlog candidate. But at this point, I kind of hate the game, given how much and how often everyone's talking about it right now with the impending closure of the PlayStation Store on PlayStation 3, Vita, and PSP. But uh, yeah, let's just get on to what I've been playing. So Hellbreachers is a very basic action platformer where you play as one of three classes a warrior a mage and an assassin and each of those classes has three subsets three different versions of them that will alter the way they play maybe they'll make them a little faster give this certain attack uh, more damage and you have a jump and a double jump and then a basic attack a ranged attack and then a super powered attack my immediate problem with this game is Is with the control scheme, and you can't change it, but I'm playing this on Xbox. To jump, you press the B button. I don't know why it's this way. If they just want to be different, it's the A button in almost every game for a reason because it just feels natural, it's comfortable, it's what we know and expect, and I just want to play it like that even after an hour of playing the game, I would occasionally accidentally press the A button to jump, and of course I wouldn't jump, and then I would get hit by an enemy or I'd fall off a cliff or do something stupid and get really annoyed with the game. But that's a minor gripe. That is an annoyance that is on me, very much so. But just give me the option to change it or have multiple control schemes. Okay? That's all you gotta do. But the Bigger problem than that is the fact that the game just feels pretty sluggish. And what I mean by that is that everything seems to be moving slower than it should. It's not a frame rate thing or anything like that. It just feels like the game is slowed down and everyone's moving, not in slow motion. That that, that would be an exaggeration, but just at maybe... 80 to 90% of their normal speed. So it just feels off the entire time. And it's most noticeable when jumping, especially when doing the double jump. But outside of that, it just is a really basic ass platformer. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good, both in terms of jumping or attacking. The whole crux of the game is just to get to the end of the level. You are collecting coins. If you want, uh, but you don't have to. And then there are chests that you can open up with keys you find in each level. But I have no idea what the fucking point of opening the chests is. When I'd open them, nothing would come out. I wouldn't see my coins increase after doing it. I wouldn't see any of my special abilities increase. Because your range attacks, you have a certain number of them that you can use. And you could refill those. Maybe with chests, maybe that's what happens when you use them. They refill by opening the chests. But since I didn't really utilize them because it didn't feel important to do so, maybe it's the silver chest, replenish your range attack, and then the gold one replenishes your special attack. That may very well be the case, and the game may even have told me that, but I don't utilize those abilities outside of boss fights, so it doesn't really matter. And the boss fights are super freaking easy, especially when using one of the special abilities I would be able to knock out a boss in, Less than 10 seconds. Maybe even less than 5 seconds. Get two special attacks in on them, they're dead. It was done. So, yeah. Then, Lost Words Beyond the Page is a game of two stories. One of this girl who is writing this story in a notebook and using it as a way to deal with the real things happening in her life or that have happened in her life, which is a heavy story I guess you could say probably maybe a little bit a lot of bit, and the story of what she's writing so this fictional story that she's writing and the way it's structured is that you have chapters broken up into two parts the first part is the story being told on the notebook and you are controlling a character who is platforming on the actual pages using the words that the character is writing as her platforms. And when you're doing this, you will step or fall onto specific words that are highlighted and that will make more words show up or make certain things grow up. You interact with the pages by moving words around and finishing sentences or moving images together. For instance, there is one point where You have a picture of your grandmother sick in a hospital bed, and you have a ventilator mask, and you drag that ventilator mask over to your grandmother, and then it goes on top of her, and the story continues from there. You look at your grandmother then with that mask on, and you make a Darth whatever joke. Not Darth Maul, because Darth Maul didn't have a mask, but Darth, I don't know. I don't know Star Wars, but it's a Star Wars reference with the whole Darth-ness And then after that, you get Darth Grandmother, the text that you can move around, and you go into this blank page, and you wipe the entire page with Darth Grandmother, and then you get this really beautiful image of Darth Grandmother, this new version of her you've made up in your imagination. And that's all neat and moving, but then when you go into the other world, the fictional world, the the story world that you are writing, it's... I mean, in, in both cases, the actual platforming is super basic and simple. It doesn't ask a lot of you. I found it to be pretty boring. And even though this story being told was engaging, the gameplay was the exact opposite. And because of that, I wasn't driven to keep playing. Like I said, the first half is all in this notebook. And you're using the words as platforms and jumping around and then you just go from page to page and it kind of drags. Not every page will have some real beautiful imagery, but it does need things where you'll have also like an aquarium and you'll take these words and you put them in the aquarium and fill it with water, fill it with sand, fill it with these objects and those objects. And it's all neat. It's very neat. I, I think this game should probably have been like a one to two hour game in actuality. But when you finish that section, you go into this 3D but still side-scrolling section that is the fantasy world where you play as a different young girl who you name. You give her one of three names. And her village was destroyed by a monster. I think it was a dragon, but I don't know. It's just like a big flying monster that burned your village down. And then you have to go and save it or whatever, I guess. I wasn't so concerned with her story exactly. And the way things work in that world is that you are doing your basic platforming, but you have a book of words that is growing as you play more and more. And inside your book are words like rise, repair, and break. And you take these words out of your book and drag them across the screen. And if you have a platform that you want to raise up, you put rise on that platform and it'll rise up. If there are things you want to break, take break and you swipe it across those things, and they'll break. You want to repair something like a broken bridge? Take repair, and you know what to do. You put it over those broken pieces, and they'll come back together. It's neat. This game is very neat and has a touching story, but the actual act of playing it just isn't engaging enough to make me at least want to keep going. I like the story, but I'd rather just read the story or experience it through the notebooks in a much shorter experience, but that's not the case with Lost Words, and so I'm probably not going to finish it because I'm not engaged anywhere near enough to want to keep playing it. Then El Hio," A Wild West Tale, is a stealth game where you're a little boy and your home was destroyed by bandits, and it starts you off in a monastery. I played through like the first 10 levels of this, and that was already way too much. I really, really did not like this game at all. I think the boy controls stiffly. There's just something off about the way he moves, like he's not completely free in this 3D space, which is from an isometric perspective. And I don't know. The thing about El Hio is that it is a stealth game, but really it is a puzzle game more so than that because with the stealth game, if it's really a stealth game, I feel like there should be some semblance of freedom in how you can tackle a situation. But it feels like from what I played, even when levels start to open up and get bigger in scale that no matter what, when you get to a situation where you have to get by a person or whatever, there's really only one way to do that. And that, quickly becomes frustrating because it removes all creativity from the situation you're in and when it's just a puzzle game it's not a great puzzle game Uh, i would much rather play so many other puzzle games than this i was so disinterested in every aspect of this game i couldn't give a shit about the story i think it looks great that was the reason why i was excited to play this game I thought it looked so charming and delightful. And then it was just this really annoying stealth game that I wanted nothing to do with, which is a bummer. Genesis Noir is one of the most stylish games I've played in a long time. It is dripping with style. It is a black and white noir adventure game that switches things up a lot. It does a lot of fun things with perspective, not so much from a gameplay standpoint, but just from the way... The scenes are handled and the cinematography and stuff like that where it's just jumping around and moving in such an engaging way. It is a game that is incredibly striking where if you saw it in the corner of your eye, you'd have to turn and look at it. It draws your attention visually and then it has this great jazz soundtrack to go along with it. And it's a story about time and space and dimensions and the Big Bang And really trippy stuff. But as much as I love the look of it and the sound of it and the style of it, the gameplay wasn't that great. It jumps around all over the place and then has you switching things pretty frequently. But when I got to a section where you're in a 3D space, And you end up picking up these seeds. They're black seeds and white seeds. And you drop the seeds. For instance, you'll drop a white seed by some white bits of light. And a little tree will grow. And it will suck in all the light there so that you'll open a pathway to continue forward. And there will be designated plots on the land for you to drop seeds in. And these will lead you to little mini game type of things that you have to do. Like spinning a scene over and over and over again. So you're you're spinning the skyline so that this little bud of a bush will grow into a full bush. And it becomes tedious pretty quickly when it's doing the same thing over and over again. When I got to that section, I started getting bored with it. And I quit out. And that is where the game really lost me. Because that is when I realized Genesis Noir has an absolute shit checkpoint system. When I booted the game up again, because Quick Resume didn't work with it, because Quick Resume is still a broken, messy piece of crap that you should never rely on. It started me off at the very, very, very beginning of that area. So those 15 minutes I spent there were all lost. And I was bored when I was playing them the first time. And if you think I was going to play through them again to see where the story is going, no, I don't care enough about this story. I love the style of it. I love the look of it. I love the sound of it. I don't care about the story at all. So I bounced off after that. It's a bummer because I think there's a lot of coolness about the game, but that's really all it is. It's just cool. It's a cool game that lost me gameplay-wise. Then Mad Tower Tycoon is a Sim Tower like wannabe that is okay but looks pretty not pretty it doesn't look great it's incredibly cluttered it has one of the most cluttered uis i've seen in a game in a long time it is a sim game so of course there's going to be a lot of stuff on screen but it looks low res and just isn't pleasing on the eyes when you see all this stuff all over the screen and the world itself doesn't look good it's just very overwhelming with all the stuff that's on screen it's easy to get a handle of things after you put some time into it the fastest speed is still too slow for my taste but as far as what it's trying to be a sim tower like it does that well enough but there are better options even on the xbox like Project High rise Architects Edition, which is still busy, but its UI is much cleaner and things are hidden away into submenus, So not everything is just all over the screen all the time. The visuals are nicer there too, and it has more of that Simtower vibe that I'm looking for. And then last but not least is Synth Riders, which just released their latest pack of music called Adrenaline, which includes five paid bits of DLC. And three free songs. The free songs are Pennywise's Never Gonna Die, Too Close to Touch's Hard to Love, and Plague Vendor's New Come Down. And then the paid DLC includes The Offsprings' Come Out and Play and Self-Esteem, Bad Religion's 21st Century, Digital Boy, Rancid's Time Bomb, and The Interrupters' Gave You Everything. And The Offsprings' Come Out and Play includes their experience thing, like they did with one of the tracks from the Muse collection, where... They remove everything from the UI. It's not really about competitive play and getting the highest score. It's just about being immersed in this space while custom visuals are going on that go along with the music. And it's really, really cool. I love it when they do this. I believe it's only the second time they've done this. I don't think they've done it outside of Muse and now this one Offspring song. And it's really cool. It's a completely different feeling from what you get when you just play The song's in their regular mode. And I still love the game. I don't know what else there is to say about it. I I think it's a bit hit or miss. Whether or not the song's note mapping is good or not. They're never terrible. But in some cases. Like Come On Play. I didn't feel like the notes as I was hitting them. Felt in line with the song. But then Rancid's Time Bomb. And Pennywise's Never Gonna Die. Those felt Very good. I thought the note mapping on both of those was great. And it's just kind of a mixed bag in that sense. It always is. But I'll also say, I don't know if they've updated this, if they've done some tweaking, or if it's just me losing my mind. I feel like the accuracy has been improved. I was able to hit notes more frequently without any flubs so that I would get on these long stretches where the only reason why I would break a combo is because. I would confuse for a second which color is popping up next and accidentally use the wrong hand. But outside of that, it felt like it was almost perfect in terms of tracking my hands and their placement and all of that, which was really great. It made the whole experience even better than it already was. Because on occasion, I'd feel like I actually was in the right position and I just didn't get the note for whatever dumb reason. But Synth Riders remains my favorite VR game, my favorite VR experience I'd love to see more of these experience levels, even though they do feel very different. Even when I'm playing them, I don't feel the competitive drive. So I'm just kind of putting my hands in the place as opposed to hitting them the way I do with the force mode. I'm just kind of being in that moment and looking at the visuals around me. It makes me wish I did drugs because I feel like then it would be so much trippier. But I think those special levels are really cool and I'd love to see more of them. I immediately thought it would be awesome to see one done for Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, but I'm sure just getting the rights to that song would be a pain in the ass for a smaller developer like them. But who knows? You never know. Anywho, that will do it for this episode of the Pixelated Sausage podcast. Once again, I am Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, Attack the Backlog, and... On Amazingly Baca, which my friend doesn't know yet, but I'm going to put that show on hiatus because I am feeling incredibly burnt out, so this upcoming episode is going to be our last for a while, maybe forever, but he won't know until I tell him on the show because he doesn't listen to this podcast. Anywho, you can... Find all those podcasts on podcast services across the globe. You can also go over to YouTube.com slash Pixelated Sausage to check out the videos I make. And if you'd like to check out the art I make, go back to the site, PixelatedSausage.com. And if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to Patreon.com PXS and support us that way. As always, Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day) ah.